Welcome to Standout, where you're going to hear from some exceptional entrepreneurs. You'll learn what steps they took to get them where they are and what you can do to make your mark. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan with CherylTanMedia.com. You can find the episodes and the show notes all in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter there and get media strategies to grow your business and your brand. Jim Palmer is known as the dream business coach. He has created a successful business that gives him time to spend with his wife, children, and grandchildren. He is the founder of the Dream Business Academy and is the creator of No Hassle Newsletters, a done-for-you newsletter marketing program used by hundreds of clients internationally. In our interview, Jim discusses how he came up with this program. It has not been an easy journey, not at all. Jim discusses the challenges he overcame and what he has learned that will benefit business owners everywhere who want to create a lifestyle that includes financial rewards as well as the time to enjoy them. Jim Palmer, thanks so much for joining us for Standout. Hey, Cheryl. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Can't complain. It's spring and we're in Virginia Beach and the water is over there. So no complaints here. How about you? (laughs) Yeah, we share similar weather. I'm in the Philadelphia area and um, I was just walking my dog dog between my thinking, holy smokes, I need to be outside more. (laughs) (laughs) I say that a lot. So as far as you are concerned, you are the dream business coach and you guide entrepreneurs to success. I'd love to hear about your startup story. How did you get your start in business? My startup story. Holy smokes. Well, when I started working, I started at 15, but you know, and then I got married and started having kids really, really young. And, um, my goal, I, I was very um, driven by my career. So my goal was to become a VP by the time I was 40. So I did that. I was VP of marketing for um, this company. And then when I was 41, about a month after my birthday, uh, my position was eliminated, as they say. So we have a way of sanitizing things. I didn't get fired, but my position was eliminated. And you know, to be honest with you, Cheryl, I had uh, four teenagers at home. My youngest, I had twin girls that were 12. Then I had a, a 15 and a 17-year-old son. My wife and I made a life choice that she would largely be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was carrying most of the financial burden. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to have my own business, but now's not the right time, <laughs> you know, with all the insurances and everything. And this thing for teenagers, they like called food, you know, so <laughs> so it wasn't the right time. So I set about finding my next job and I'll keep a long story very short for the show here. But uh, what I thought would be about a 30-day window of finding my next great opportunity turned into be 15 months of really devastating unemployment. Oh, man. We lost – oh, it was really hard. So we lost – we only had meager savings at that point, but that quickly went – gone, and we ran into debt, keeping all the insurances paid, and I wanted to keep my credit alive. So I paid everything on time, just borrowed, borrowed, borrowed. And then one year into the unemployment, already at a pretty low place, that's, I uh, was first diagnosed with cancer. So in 2001 was, was not a great year. And, uh, but I, I actually, uh, the day before I was supposed to go to surgery in early September, um, I got offered a position, which was a really good one. It was going to be to, uh, help franchise this chain of stores, which I thought, wow, it's right up my alley. That'll be cool. (laughs) And, um, I remember, uh, you probably see where I'm going with the whole September, 2001 thing, but I was laying on the couch on September 11th. Uh, recovering from my surgery. 
washing the planes, hit the towers, and like, oh, holy crap, just like everybody, right? And um, about five days after that, Cheryl, uh, my new employer called me and said, you know, we got to put everything on hold. You know, we don't know what's happening. You know how scary? That was very yes. scary times. And um, so I, was, I understood, but man, spiraled right down into, you know, a really bad place. And, you know, when you get to a very low place, there's only one way to go, and that's up. So um, I prayed for some guidance, and I was basically uh, – led to believe that I should start my business now. It's kind of like Stop Waiting, What Are You Waiting For?, which actually much later became the title of one of my books, Stop <laughs> Waiting For It To Get Easier. <laughs> and um, so in October 2001, I started my first business. And then, you know, about four years later, I was doing multiple six figures, but I was just the chief cook and bottle washer doing everything. And although money was getting better, I had no free time at all. And I said, man, I'll, I'll just, I, this is no life. So I started getting into internet marketing, direct response marketing, and created my second business called No Hassle Newsletters. And I have clients all over the world use our, our templates. And from there, we just went from one business to the next. We created No Hassle Social Media, Concierge Print and Mail. Um, and about, about seven years ago, as kind of happens, a lot of people say, well, how do you do that? And can you help us? And that's when I started my dream business coaching program. So got multiple things going on. But, you know, you asked me about my early years. My After I decided to start my business, I went from being in the very, very doldrums and kind of a very dark place to being euphoric because I suddenly had a mission, right? And I was excited. I had a job is the way I looked at it. But I had to create revenue, and that took me a year. So my my entire first year of business was revenue free, as I like to say. <laughs> it seems like I hear this a lot when I talk with entrepreneurs: is they hit a place where it's it's very dark, where um, and it sounds like it was difficult to find a job that would work for you and your family. But they have to hit rock bottom before they make their ascent their way right. to another another place in their business. So in that first revenue-free year, <laughs> what did you learn about yourself? I mean, it seems like there were a couple of years where you were learning so much. You're like, please, yeah. I don't need to learn anymore. <laughs> but what did well, you learn about yourself in that um, resiliency? I learned, well, for, uh, yeah, I learned about resiliency, but I learned about, I was going to say persistence. Yeah. And you know, what was funny um, or interesting. There was a book that I read many years later called Three Feet from Gold. Um, and I'll give you the whole thing. Basically, if you picture this miner and he gets his pickaxe and he's digging, like goes down and digs horizontally through the ground toward the diamond mine, right? Or the gold mine, whatever. And after a year, he's tired of digging. He comes out and sells his tools to the first guy he sees for a hundred bucks. He goes back in, digs three more feet and he hits gold. And and that really, I mean, it really defined my first year because I knew that I was supposed to become an entrepreneur. I mean, there was no doubt about it. And so month one, two, three, four, I'm not saying I didn't have, holy crap, what's going on here? Where's my business? But I didn't, while I was like getting anxious, I wasn't getting depressed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. In other words, I kept saying to myself, how ridiculous would it be for me to quit now? After putting in one month, five months, ten, you know, whatever it is. And then on the 12th month, I got a really big client. And from there, I had it started adding them. So what I was doing that whole first year was not sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. I was out doing every single thing I could think to do. And I refer to that as planting seeds. I was planting seeds, networking events, chamber of commerce meetings, knocking on doors, talking with everybody. I was doing everything I could. And eventually, 
you know, the seeds became a harvest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you work with entrepreneurs now. So you, yes. you see, you probably see yourself in some of the people you work with and mm -hmm. maybe other versions of yourself as people come to you and say, Jim, help me. So whether it's they've got too many clients and no time or too much time and no money or whatever in between, how do you help them? How do you help them find a life that makes sense with money that makes sense coming in? Several years ago, after I started my coaching program, I said something to somebody and they said something in return, which I now borrow and I continually use. I, I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, but I'm a very candid, straightforward person. Now, part of that, as again, hindsight is gives you great clarity. And you know, when you face your mortality, you kind of realize time is short. Now, I always feel like, not like I'm tomorrow's the last days, but I, I don't know if you can see it. I have an hourglass here, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See my hourglass? Yeah, and I, I, I always feel like the sand is running out. Because it is, right? You don't know when it's going to run out. But to me, so what I'm saying, um, Cheryl, is uh, I don't believe in wasting time. I think time is our most precious asset. You can't get it back. You can't make any more. So anyway, what I figured out is when I started working with these people, I just cut right to the chase. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't. And one person said, man, Jim, thanks for the tough love. So I, I now say, yeah, I give tough love. <laughs> but whether somebody is struggling or they haven't made it yet or maybe their business is starting to take over, and I'm actually thinking of two people now where I had a call um, a couple of days ago where somebody literally started with me like less than 60 days ago. And, you know, I don't do microwave success. You know, you can't just turn it on like mm -hmm. that. You have to do things. And, and then by the same token – about six months ago, I was, I was doing a, what I call a profit seat. Some people call them hot seats. I was doing a profit seat with one of my clients, and her business is really starting to take off, like you said. And she's like, I have no free time. I, don't, I can't do this, that, or the other thing. I said, and she goes, Jim, what should I do? I said, suck it up. I said, this is what you've been praying for. You've been wanting to be busy. It's not always going to be like this. In other words, as you get more revenue, you now start building your team. You bring in support and assistance and you build out your infrastructure, but you don't build an infrastructure out without revenue. So you're in that crazy thing right now, kind of like the Tasmanian devil, right, you know, with, and with the plates and all like you're the spinning yes. plates too. Yeah. That and kind of thing. So suck it up. This is what you want. I don't know. Have, do you like going out to restaurants, Cheryl? Oh, sure. Who doesn't? Have you ever gone to a restaurant? I'm sure you have. Most people have. And it's really slow. And you can almost look over and you can see the owner and his wife sit by the register and they're like, oh, they're, they're frantic. Mm -hmm. And then you go to a restaurant where it's super busy and you see the owner running around like it's the worst thing in the world. I can't keep up. It's like, well, what do you want? I mean, <laughs> you want to be slow or do you want to have so much business? You just have to figure out how to make it work, right? Right, right. So it's it's usually one of the two. And so you help them figure out that path, figure out where yeah. it makes sense to bring in people and get help and then kind of managing your time and money so something does not run out. How do you do that? Yeah. I have a team of of uh 13 um virtual assistants. I have no employees, but I have 13 oh, team wow. members okay. which help me run everything. I mean, what I spend my time on is what I refer to as high revenue generating activity. So most of my time is spent uh, either doing um, coaching calls with my clients, doing interviews like I'm doing with you now, which is marketing my business. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So I run my business three days a week. 
Uh, now, in the wintertime, on Monday and Fridays, I'm probably still working, maybe writing a book or doing something. But in the summer, I like to have three and or four-day weekends. And because I structure my whole calendars based around all the calls in or out are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, newsletters are being written, newsletters are being designed. I have a whole team that does that. And that that's, I mean, everybody has a slightly different definition, but my definition of a dream business is when I have time freedom so I can do what I want. I love the different businesses that you created before the one that you are working in now, the mm-hmm. newsletters. And uh, you, you mentioned several businesses that you created, and they seem like uh, not easy, but solutions that yeah. entrepreneurs need right then and there. Like It's they really know, perceptive right. of you. Absolutely. So can you talk about how you came up with them and then how you made that a business that made sense money-wise and time-wise? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you um so basically you have to listen. You've heard this before. If you listen, your customers will tell you what they want. And so I had a step in there. So as customers ask for things, I say you can create a you can make a referral or create a revenue stream. So when I started, um, so my first business, which is long since gone, was dynamic communication. That's when I'm doing one-on-one newsletters. And people were telling me, one of the reasons we, we hire you to do our newsletter, Jim, is we never know what to put in it. So when I started uh, No Hassle Newsletters in 2007, I believe, I started basically just creating a bunch of content that people would uh, buy from me on a monthly basis to put in their newsletters, because that's the pain that I heard most often, right? Then I wrote my first book, The Magic of Newsletter Marketing, and in there Mm -hmm. I talk about how to design the right newsletter, layout, format, et cetera. And my customers who were buying the content said, we love the content, but how do we find a designer? We're small, we don't have a full-time position, and you try and go out and find people, blah, blah. And I thought, hmm, I could make a referral or I could start doing their templates for them. So I added... So I added uh, what I call done-for-you newsletter templates to No Hassle Newsletters, raised my price, and started getting more more members into the program. Then I remember, I'm pretty sure it was 2008 or early 2009, I was exhibiting at a conference, and some of my clients would walk in, because that's where I met most of them in the entrepreneurial events we go to. And a couple of them said, hey, Jim, we love the newsletters, we love the template and content, but... In your book, you always talk about a certain way to get it printed, a certain way to fold it so it stands out and things like that. Can you recommend a printer? Well, I've trained my brain now to go, I can make a referral or I could create a revenue stream. <laughs> this was this was mid-November. And by January 1st, I launched Concierge Print and Mail on Demand. So I partnered with a buddy of mine who's in the printing business. So he owns the printing stuff. I don't. Right. Now, when somebody places an order at my website and they give us their files, it goes to his people. He prints it and mails it. He charges me, but I collect the money up front. And of course, there's a there's a margin built in there. So that was that. Then, you know, somewhere, I guess, 2010, I started getting really into social media and Facebook and started doing video marketing. And people were asking me, where do you get the ideas? Where do you get the content? How do you write so many blog posts? And I said, again, I can do a referral to some of the writers that I have on staff. So then I launched No Hassle Social Media and I turn all the, I'm starting actually to repurpose a lot of the content. And so with No Hassle Social Media, we just provide a ton of content that you can use for blog posts and all on all different topics. And people have access because people are very short on time. They usually don't lack an idea, but they lack the time to create it. So that's No Hassle Social Media. And those are the core businesses. But then there's a few, a few other small ones. Like when I got into Pinterest marketing, what I call eye candy, those cool graphics. Yeah. 
I have, I have an artist that did those. Well, where do you get those? Well, I created no hassle Pinterest graphics. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is, this is perfect because getting, you, yeah. you, I get the idea. And so instead of making the referral, you create right. a revenue stream for you, but, but you are not the Pinterest graphic creator and right. you're not the printer. And then maybe you create the ideas, but maybe you don't write them. So is that where your VAs come into play? Yes. Your VAs, your, your team handles that under your umbrella. Yeah. What I figured out, it's all my company as far as it looks right now. I have a ba- I have a team that actually do the fulfillment, but it's all Jim and his companies. But what I figured out with my first business was that you can create a business. And, you know, I opted for the gloss on my business card, founder, CEO of my own corporation. But I was basically a grunt. I was a sole employee <laughs> doing everything, you know, yeah. and that's not what I wanted, you know. Um, so I figured I wanted to build out a team and part of leverage is how do I leverage my skill and talent? But how do you leverage the skill and talent of other people right. so you can build a bigger business? You know, so I've been I've been having I've been having there's my bad grammar. I've had a team now for several <laughs> years, but you know, I still look at certain things that get done and I say, boy, I, I would have done that differently. But you know what? If it was up to me, it either wouldn't have been done or I wouldn't have the time freedom that I have today. And so people that resist letting go. Mm-hmm. What I tell them is um, you either learn to delegate or stay small forever. That's kind of my tough love statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So probably your next business will be a VA business, right? Because I'm going to ask you, <laughs> how do you find people to join your team? So let's say you are trying to scale up your no hassle newsletter business again. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you find the right people to write your newsletters or to create those Pinterest graphics or Well, it is a process and what I do is I never bring somebody on for what you might call a long-term relationship. It's always project-based. Oh, so, if what I would do if, if I need another writer today, um, first of all, I have what, what I would consider like an operations director. Okay. Um, and so I just, I, it's Kate, she's my assistant, been with me a long time. And she goes, we need more writers. I said, well, go find one. <laughs> you know, she knows what I need and she'll so, kind of run by a few things. And, but if, if I was to do it, uh, I would say I would go to, well, Elance or guru.com. There's a bunch of places. Um, and I would say I need some special reports or I need, five, you know, 750 word articles. Here's a topic. And I would place an, the same order with three or four people that mm-hmm. I kind of pre-screen. I'd see how fast they come back. I'd see what quality they are. I'd see how they interact with me, what kind of language they use as they interact with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm going to judge that on how they'll interact with my customers. Right. right. And so if a good one really impresses me, I'll get on the phone and say, Hey, I'm going to, this can be a monthly gig and we'll, Start, then they'll start working for me oh, okay. as a 1099 contractor. Okay. Well, that's uh, it's it's easy, but you're doing your homework at the same time. You're making You've that. You've got to do your homework. Content. And by the way, I have so many in my team that never even interact with my, there's probably four people that interact with directly with my customers. And it's only after they got to, they got to read all my books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they watch most of my videos. They take my courses on, you know, customer retention, customer mm-hmm customer service. They, it's about a, at least a 30 day process before they talk to anybody. And once I'm comfortable that they know how I want to do business, which is the customer is everything. It's the reason we're in business. When they finally get that, then I will get them. Um, they'll take calls and things like that. You mentioned earlier how important your 
tasks are, the ones that you do, like getting on a podcast to be interviewed, uh, doing your videos, uh, taking some time off to write your book, uh, basically putting yourself out there speaking. So would you say that's the most productive work that you as an entrepreneur can do? And, and, and why do some people not do that? You know, a lot of people don't do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, uh, there's fear of being criticized, sure. and there's also the fear of of being found out. You know, so my latest book, which is called Decide, was all about the head trash that goes on up here. Mm-hmm. So you can be the best at whatever you do, but if you have head trash, that's those self limiting thoughts that's going to prevent you from doing that. And I had them, and I mean, my book was actually like me getting on the couch and exposing oh. all my insecurities, <laughs> but I did it in a way to help people, and and it, you know, a lot of people. I've appreciated that. For example, uh, when I started getting into the coaching space, I there were some people that, that were peers of mine that were in the coaching space, some other people that I considered mentors and I admire what they're doing. And then, you know, just like I would tell anybody, I invest in a coach myself. And about, I don't know, five years ago, Cheryl, this coach, which also delivered tough love, but he didn't call it that. He <laughs> says, Jim, what makes you think you're entitled to be as successful as these other people that you admire and emulate, but yet you're not willing to do the things that they do to build their business? And that was like a real slap, right? Yeah. And I'll take exactly what they were. Uh, go out and giving speeches, getting in front of groups of people, whether it's 20 people or 200, 2,000 people, doing videos, doing live interviews like you and I are doing now. now writing a book was very big because for me, I don't have the best grammar. I never, you know, I never went to uh, journalism school like you probably did. And so I'm not a, I'm not a professional speaker. And so when people do that, they fear like they're going to be criticized. And so when your name is on the book, I'm like, good Lord, people are going to be like, oh, what a joke, right? It's that whole fear of being found out. Well, I want to give your, uh, your, your viewers and listeners a a strategy that I was able to use. Okay. Okay. What you do is you make a conscious choice. You make a decision that you're going to choose to be judged on the value of the information and the content and not the way in which you deliver it. So in the, in the case of writing a book, I'll tell you something funny just popped into my head. So on my very first book, I was so proud of it. It was all about newsletter marketing. Obviously, that's what I was doing at the time. And somebody sent me an email and said, hey, Jim, I thought the book was good, but I didn't know if you knew this or want to know it or whatever, kind of like couching his phrase. But he goes, on page 189, there's a dangling participle. And I'm like, I have no idea what a dangling participle is. (laughs) I still don't know. But I said, well, thanks for telling me. Did you enjoy the book? Oh, got tons out of it. And it was actually when I asked that, I said, okay, he got a lot out of it, even if it was imperfect. And so, um, Cheryl, that book took me a year and a half to write. The last two books I put out in 60 days. Oh, man. Because I fully know that however long I hold that book back, getting it proofread by more and more and more people, as soon as you push the go button and send it out there, there's still going to be mistakes in there. So the, the perfect book that's sitting in your computer is nowhere near as good as my imperfect book that's out there 
helping people and, and making sales. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great lesson and really a, a great story, really. So I, um, well, speaking of stories, we have a mutual connection, your daughter, uh, yes. Jessica Rhodes, who was episode 10, where she shared her insights uh, and her interview connections business, which was great. And I just know she got that from from you, from working with you. Did she share you. that story? Yeah, she did. She did. And so that's my next one is as an entrepreneur, and you've got four kids, three others, mm-hmm. aside from Jessica. Um, how do you teach this to, to people in your circle, your family? How do you inspire those people who are closest to you to follow you, in your footsteps? You have to really, really want it. Being an entrepreneur is so hard, mm-hmm. especially you know while you're getting to the you know, cusp or the top of the hill or whatever. It is so hard. And so I don't, if I inspire them, it's because they see what I'm doing and maybe they want it so far. You know, uh, my, my middle son would like to have maybe like a landscaping business and when he's ready, I'll be glad to help him. I'll help him market it and stuff like that. But you've really got to know what it is. And, you know, Jessica, she came to me when she was six months pregnant with Nathan <laughs> yeah. and said, I would love to be a stay-at-home, which, stay-at-home mom, which floored me, Cheryl, because I thought she's going to be the career woman. <laughs> and she said, but we can't live on one salary. I said, I'll teach you how to be a VA. What's a VA? I kind of told her. And I was her first client. I said, I'll be your first client, but you got to keep me. And if, you know, I won't fire you on Christmas because you're my daughter, but I'll fire the day after. But New Year's Day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But I started introducing her and she just, I mean, she's phenomenal. She and, um, so for your for your listeners, um, you know, we were Stephanie and I, my wife went up there and, and Jessica and I uh, took Nathan for a walk and she does a bunch of things for me. VA usually does a lot of different admin things. One of the things she did for me was get me booked on interviews, a very good way to get publicity and get your name out there. And I said, of all the things you do, what do you like doing? What do you think there's, where do you think there's growth? And what do you think has the greatest profit potential? I said, they may not be the same answer, but if they are home run, she goes, I love getting you interviews. I think that's scalable. And with the growth of podcasting, boom. So I said, get out your iPhone. And she went to GoDaddy and really like the second or third name. I said, what you do is you connect people to interviews. And I said, and so somewhere or another, we came up with interview connections. She goes, it's available. She bought it. And then that's how she started that business. <laughs> there it is. And her business is born. It's phenomenal. That's a great her story. Her business is born. She was very first to the market. She's got quite a few people kind of copying the model, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Good job, dad. Very, very good Thank job. Thank you. I'm really um, proud of her. On this show, we like to talk about habits, and you've talked about some of them, but do you do something on a regular basis, maybe every day, every week? that you know helps you to get to the next level. Yeah, I never I never stop learning or investing in what I call the future me. So whoever's what wherever you are in your entrepreneurial journey, there's the current you and then there's the you and or the business that you want to have, whether that just means more clients, more dollars in the bank, whatever it looks like. The fastest way to get there is to connect with somebody who has been there and done that, who's made that journey right? It's kind of like, what it's like direction, something men are known notoriously bad for. <laughs> like I, I've never been up to uh, visit my daughter in Rochester. Well, I have, but we went last, I said, well, call Matt. Let's see. I'm sure Matt's going to know the fastest way to get there. I will take Matt's directions rather than figure it out myself. Cause why would I want <laughs> right. to spend another hour in the car? Right. And so in the business world, you want to work with a coach who has a track record of doing what it is you'd like to do. 
so I never stopped learning. And one of the things I had off camera left there is I have a whole bunch of books. I'm always reading. I'm always going to live events. If I can't go to a live event, I'll often buy the recordings and watch them while I'm just working or whatever. So you always want to be looking. And the thing is, if somebody says, well, it's 2000 or 3000 or whatever it is, but you're always looking for that little edge that's going to let you, you know, basically leverage that little edge into a lot more. So I don't, I don't hesitate to invest in the future me that I'm climbing to. The other thing that I do, and the word I'll use, Cheryl, to describe this, I am militant about my time. I know what my time's worth and I protect it. So first of all, no, not one client has my cell phone number. Okay. So that is off limits. If my cell phone rings, I will answer it without looking because it's a family member or maybe a couple close friends. That's it. I do all my calls Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I have Monday and Fridays free to either be producing whatever that looks like uninterrupted or in the summertime, I'll enjoy that time. So I know what my, I, I protect my schedule. I've no incoming calls in or outgoing calls that aren't pre-scheduled. So I know exactly what we're talking about. So that's one thing a lot of entrepreneurs do as they're growing. If their phone's ringing, hello, this is Jim. How can I help you? And it's like, what kind of positioning is that? <laughs> How does that make you look if you sit there and you just answer your own phone? So it's, and I understand it's tough when you're in cash flow mode. You feel like, well, this could be my next big sale, right? So, but there's, you know, one of the smartest things company uh, entrepreneurs can do is have the right branding and the right positioning in the marketplace. Very good. How can people get in touch with you, 